Amen. How many of you feel good in the house of the Lord tonight? Why don't you turn and holler at your neighbor? It's good to see you. So good to see each and every one of you tonight. And uh, we're, we're about to jump into our third lesson on Truth Over Trends. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 16. And um, actually, you can go ahead and be seated. And uh, I'll read from that in a minute. I do quickly want to thank a few people. Um, I want to thank um, Brother Jay, Paul, and uh, Donna and Charlie. Brother Bruce uh, went down this weekend to feed um, the, the church in Lake Charles, uh, Bonnie and Aaron Lopez's church there, uh, Eastgate. And um, I think it's awesome that we have people in our church that are reaching out and ministering to those in need in South Louisiana. Amen. It makes me proud to be a part of a church that does those kind of things. Amen. And so I honor them for that. Again, I want to remind you, Pastor will be back Sunday, and uh, he's doing well, recovering well. And I'm sure he's, uh, he's, he's sitting on a lot of preach. I, I know when preachers sit for a while, they come back, they're ready to let her rip, tater chip. And uh, so y'all can expect great things on Sunday. Amen. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series, Truth Over Trends? Amen. Now, I want to say before I, I jump in and before I read scripture tonight, that um, my heart has been so stirred about this series because we, we're living in a peculiar day and age. We're living in a peculiar time. Can I get an amen? And so tonight, what, what I want to do is, is I, I don't want to preach at you. I want to have a good old-fashioned conversation, amen, where, where we can get down to some brass tacks about some things that are happening in our culture and in our time that are addressed in the Word of God and that I believe need to be addressed in the life of every believer. And, and there are some issues that we've got to have settled. The world is ever-changing. It's ever-moving. We've got technology. Uh, I was listening uh, to a guy speaking today about how uh, much technology has affected the, the happiness and the joy levels of the millennial generation and, and how it's affected them in the workplace. We, we live in a world where information is constantly coming at you. And, um, and, and there are algorithms designed to push you certain information. And so in, in a day and age that is often called a post-truth society, we more than ever, we need to know the truth. Amen. I don't know if you believe that. I think that you all do or you wouldn't be at a church that is willing to tell you the truth. <laughs> Even sometimes when it makes you not like us and, and it makes you wish that we hadn't said what we said. Um, our, our goal here is to not withhold any of the counsel um, of God's wisdom from God's people. And so we need to know truth. And, and truth is it's not about being right. Can I just preface tonight's lesson with that? It's not about being right. I used to get online at about, um, I don't know, 14 years old. I, I felt called to preach and I'd get online and I would just argue with folks. I'd go on, this was back in the days of AOL kids, you know. <laughs> this was back, back when dial up internet and I'd get on and I, I'd get a concordance out and man, could, before, if I gave them a scripture they had an answer for, I had another one chambered and ready to pull the trigger on. Because if I didn't know how to answer their rebuttal, I would just throw another scripture at them. I could pile scripture up on them right quick. And, and listen, it was more about me being right than it was about reaching somebody with truth. Here's why truth is important. It's truth has a function. Jesus said you shall know the truth, and what will happen? The truth will make you free. 
what we're really doing in this series is, is we want a church. We want an atmosphere. We want a place where people can come and be set free. And so what we're saying is as a church and as Christian believers in a post-truth society, we are choosing truth over trends. Why? Because truth saves people while trends cause people to be lost. Every idea that comes along is not from God. And so we, we're hungry for truth. Amen? Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read in, in verses 29 and uh, verse 30. And this is at the end of the story of, of when Paul and Silas were uh, praising at midnight. And um, the Bible says the foundations of the prison were shaken. And um, then the Bible says that um, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brings them out of the prison and he asks them this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What do I do to be saved? Now, here's the reality is that if you ask different people that question, you will get different answers. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all are buckling in for an Acts 2.38 Bible study right now. I know y'all. Amen. But that's not where I'm going with this is, is I want you to understand that when someone asks, what must I do to be saved? There are all sorts of answers that you can hear to that question because it depends on who you ask. If you ask the Pope, he might tell you one thing. If you ask the Dalai Lama, he might tell you another thing. Billy Graham might tell you something entirely different than those two. And, uh, or some random celebrity on Instagram might post a video telling you a, a whole different scenario and belief system. There are many beliefs um, about what saves us and what redeems us. And so in this series, we, we've been talking about the common philosophy um, and, and thought process belief system even called relativism. Everybody say relativism. I'm going to quickly recap what it is. Relativism is the assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. And because people today don't necessarily embrace absolute truth when it comes to religion and when it comes to eternal issues, here is what you're often going to hear. You're often going to hear people say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. As long as you really believe it. It doesn't really matter because there are many different beliefs. Whatever you do, don't, don't push your beliefs on me, especially your Christian beliefs, because that whole deal about hell, I, I just can't buy into that. I mean, I personally don't believe how a loving God could send people to hell. That just doesn't make sense to me, and that just doesn't feel right to me. Anybody ever heard someone say something like that? Amen. If you haven't, hang out with with people who don't go to church very often. <laughs> and, and you'll hear that because that, that is a question that our world is asking. It's a question my generation is asking. It's a question that our young people are asking. It's a question that the world is asking of your kids and your, your grandkids. And so this is what the world is thinking is because Christianity is a problem for relativism. Because if you believe that Jesus is the only way, if you really believe that, you, you probably are going to be painted by society as uneducated, 
as bigoted, as narrow-minded. Have you ever noticed this lately on social media that if you don't agree with somebody, it's probably they're, they're going to come back and say, well, you need to educate yourself. You need to educate yourself. And so the assumption is that if you believe in absolute truth, it must be because you're uneducated or you're narrow-minded or you've never dug in or delved into the issues of your faith. And, and so relativism rejects truth claims. If nothing is absolutely true, then you are narrow-minded if you believe that something is absolutely true. And so my question to the person who believes that there is no such thing as absolute truth would be, are you absolutely sure that that's absolutely true? It's a self-defeating philosophy when someone with certainty says there's no such thing as absolute truth. Now, I could, I could close up with that statement right there, and we could all go home. But i got more time to fill, and I've got a lot that I really would like to talk to you about tonight. Because ultimately, those who have adopted this modern mentality would say that if there is a God, that there are probably many ways to find Him, that there are many paths up the mountain that lead to God. Anybody ever heard this? Hey, watch Oprah. Oprah says this stuff. Amen. That don't make it right either. <laughs> but you do your thing, I'll do mine, and we'll see if we all get to the same place. But there's no need to evangelize people. Do you know that, that in today's world, evangelizing is looked at as a terrible thing by a lot of people? How dare you share your beliefs with somebody else? I went into a, a barber shop one time in Michigan, and they had it posted on the, on the door. Um, two things you can't talk about here, politics and religion. They didn't want it, nobody talking about nothing that they believed within those doors. So I asked the lady, I said, I saw your sign. I said, uh... I'm a preacher, so um, you've already taken most of what I know to talk about. So what can we talk about? She said, well, let's talk about the weather. I said, well, we, should, we can talk about the weather then. But ultimately, this idea sounds pretty good. It sounds plausible in the marketplace of ideas. That It, it kind of sounds tolerant, doesn't it? You do your thing and I'll do mine and, and I'll honor you for what you believe and you honor me and, and we'll be best buddies and it'll all work out and, and we'll all just treat each other kindly and tolerantly and it has a ring of rightness to it because the premise behind it is that if a person is tolerant and good-hearted that they will make room in their beliefs for other belief systems to seem right too. And perhaps you've heard the question asked this way. How could a loving God send someone who is sincere to hell? How could, how could that be? Anybody ever heard someone ask that question? Asking the question alone makes it seem as if God would never do that. It seems true. It's true-ish. It's trendy to say, you know what? You do you, boo. You, you go and do your thing. You find your truth. Yeah, there are, there are stuff passed along all the time under the same sentiment. And that is that if you are an open-minded, intelligent human being, that humans have progressed. Remember, we, we talked about that last week, how, how there's this idea that we progress beyond these antiquated ideas that there could be such a thing as absolute truth. And, and the idea is that if you are one of the enlightened humans, you, you believe that there are many truths. And so I quickly want to 
to mention three stats to you, three quick statistics. Number one is that 53% of American adults believe that if a person is generally good, they will go to heaven. 53% of American adults believe if you are a good person, if you are a sincere person, if, you've, if you do good things, if you treat people right, if you're not an axe murderer, you're probably going to go to heaven. Then again, here's the second statistic. 43% of born-again Christians agree with that. That it doesn't matter which religious faith you follow because all faiths teach similar lessons about life. We're all really the same. Especially in America, especially in the South. There's some differences here and there, but as long as you were devoted and sincere, you were most likely saved. Now, here's the third statistic. 57% of evangelical church members said that they believe many religions can, relieve, uh, can lead to eternal life. 57, more than half of evangelical Christians at the time that this poll was taken said that there are more ways than Jesus to make it to heaven. So, for the next few minutes, I want to I walk through this discussion of is sincerity enough? Is that enough in this day and age of, of postmodern thinking, is it enough to be a sincere believer in something? doesn't matter what, just as long as you are sincere and you pursue that and you do good things, is sincerity enough? And, and I want to just start off by making a couple points before we dive too deep into the conversation. Is that, that number one, I want to say this, that, that when you believe that sincerity is enough, um, you tend to believe that finding truth is a human endeavor, right? Um, because in the equation of salvation, there is man's searching, right? There is man's seeking, but on the other side of it, there is God's drawing. And, and what we forget sometimes is that coming to truth isn't purely an intellectual pursuit or an individualistic pursuit that depends on a person to find and discern what is true. In other words, you can intellectualize, you can study all the world religions, know all the facts about all the religions, and still not end up landing and settling on what is true. Because on the other side of the equation, the scripture teaches us is that, that there is a God who reveals himself, and who draws men to himself. So if you view it as purely an intellectual pursuit, you, you could say then, well, they just didn't find what I found. Why would God allow someone to be lost for eternity just because they, they weren't born into a family like mine? Or because they, they didn't meet someone who went to the right kind of church? Or why would God do that? How could God send somebody to hell just because they didn't find the right truth? But what that leaves out of the occasion, uh, uh, or the equation, is that God reveals himself. And that God is drawing people. Amen? That is the testimony of scripture. Nobody just finds the wrong truth. But the whole Bible is about God revealing himself to mankind. It is a book of revelation. Revealing. Listen to what Romans uh, 1.18 through 20 says. Paul says this. He says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen to this. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So that 
The whole premise behind this sincere, good, moralistic individual who just landed on the wrong set of teachings and doctrines and wrong religion. That doesn't exist. Paul says that wrath is revealed against ungodliness and unrighteousness and, and, and of men who by their unrighteousness suppress truth. For what can be known about God, listen to this, is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Paul is saying nobody is lost sincerely in the wrong religion because what can be known about God is plain to them and it has been shown to them by God. God has reached. God has revealed for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are, listen to this, without excuse. Paul anchors his understanding of the judgment of God to the fact that God reveals and God is reaching. And so if a person is sincere in their own religion and, and sincere in, in, in chasing after the tenets of Buddhism or Islam or one of the many world religions and they reject the truth of Jesus, the truth is and, and the spiritual reality is, is that through their own unrighteousness they have suppressed the truth about who God is. People can clearly know the truth, but through unrighteousness, the Bible says they, they suppress the truth. So, so postmoderns will ask, how can God be wrathful and loving at the same time? I've heard this one, like, how, I, I just don't believe God could send anybody to hell. I just don't believe that. Anybody ever struggle with that belief? Like, God, how, your love, how, I mean, let's be honest. Anybody wave your hand, struggle, like, God, I wouldn't send them to hell. Why would you? You see, God is a God of love. But the scripture teaches us that he's a God of wrath too. Can I get an amen? That's not, a, that's not one you get a lot of amens on. God is a God of wrath. Woo, yeah. But, but understand this. Wrath means anger, right? And anger is not the opposite of love. You know what the opposite of love is? Anybody know? It's hate. You can love someone and be angry at them and be angry at what they've done to themselves. If you've ever had a child, some of, some of you have grown children, if you've had a child that makes life-altering and life-destructive choices, you can love them and be wrathful towards them at the same time. Because understand this, is, is sin is self-destructive slavery. Sin is not just a list of stuff that God doesn't like so you can't do. It's not just a list of rules. But, but what sin really is, is sin destroys me and God loves me. Right? And so God can reveal his wrath towards ungodliness and unrighteousness because, number one, how many of you would, would be loving towards someone who kidnapped your child? You wouldn't. Now, you might try to forgive them down the road, but, but you're going to be angry. You're going to work to stop them and, and to bring judgment and justice to them. And, and what sin does is it separates us from the life of God. It 
alienates us from the life of God. Is it okay if we talk theology here? Because this is what's missing for a lot of young people in our world. They, they hear all about the love of God, and then they walk away from the church because they don't understand why sin is sin, and they don't understand why God judges. God judges because he hates sin, and the reason he hates sin is because of what it does to his children. The fact is, we don't, we don't really love people as much as God loves them. Number one, we didn't lay down our life on a cross for them. But number two, we don't love them like God loves them, or we wouldn't justify the sins that are destroying them. And so God doesn't do that. Listen, hell wasn't created for humanity. It was created for Satan and his demons. So if someone goes to hell, here's what we have to understand. It is because they have freely chosen to resist and suppress truth when it was revealed to them. So it, Paul says there, without excuse, it's not God that will send people to hell based on whether or not they held the right religious beliefs. Rather, it is that their rejection of truth is in reality... Hear me right here. It is in reality a symptom of their separation and alienation from God. It's not that God says, well, if you don't do it my way, you can't come to my house. That's not what it's about. It's that when God re revealed himself and when God was reaching, they were saying no. And a God who allows free will says, okay, I will not force you. And so people who go to hell, it's, it's because in unrighteousness they suppress the truth, they alienate themselves from God, and their eternal destination will be hell if they don't turn that around. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want a single soul to go to hell. Not a single one. God doesn't want a single person to go to hell. Do we still believe in hell in 2020? God is not willing that any should perish. So when people do perish, it's because they have rejected the will of God. And ultimately, sincerity does not bring us to God, but sinfulness carries us away from God. Okay, and so uh, John, uh, listen to what jo Jesus said in John seven sixteen. Have you ever wondered how do people find truth? How do people come to truth? And what do they do when they interact with truth? Look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered them. He said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus said, I'm not teaching my own stuff here. This is from God, right? I'm teaching um, the, the word of God. And he said this in verse 17. He said, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. He said, if his will is to do the will of God, he will know that my teaching is from heaven. He will know that what I'm saying is the truth. And so the premise that people sincerely seek God and do not find him uh, and do not find truth is scripturally false because the scripture says they suppress truth and unrighteousness and that if a person is desiring to do the will of God, they will recognize when truth is being taught to them. That's the words of Jesus. How many of you have never heard that scripture, be honest, or never noticed it that way? That God loves them, and he's revealing himself. And, and Jesus said that when your heart wants to do God's will, you can receive truth. 
So the premise that, that people sincerely seek and are lost is a false premise altogether. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. God says to Israel, he says, You shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with what? All of your heart. All of your heart. And so people are not won or lost based on how good I preach or pastor preaches. It's not based on how good of church we have. It is the condition of the human heart that God says you will find me when you start seeking and searching for me with all of your heart. Not just your head. Why the heart? Because God is reaching and he's drawing humanity to himself. And, and the, greatest, the, the, the greatest skill that you could ever have in this earth is that when God reaches for you that you respond to him. That you are open. That your heart desires to know God and to do God's will. And so... I just wanted to start off tonight, this, this really wasn't even in my notes, but I wanted to address these things because I feel like they're issues in our culture today. As people don't understand Christian theology, and, and what we end up with is people running around repeating and saying little soundbite theology that doesn't really take into account the message of the scripture. And so we've got to debunk this thing. The Bible says this, Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He shall be filled. No, God is not saying, Sorry, uh, I, I know you're sincere, but you can't go to heaven. The truth is that we don't have the ability to, to discern what is in a person's heart. Whether they do the best things or not, we don't have the ability to discern that. But God does. God knows the heart. Not only that, we can't even trust or believe our own heart. We can think that we are sincere. But the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. It's deceitfully wicked and no one can know it. Who, who can know it? I'll tell you who can know it. Only God can. And so we can look at somebody and say they're sincere. They're a good person. And by our imperfect judgment, we can say, God, how could you send that person? I'll just say this to you. We don't know where people will end up. We see them where they are. But God knows that if a person will respond to his truth, that he's going to do everything in his power in eternity to make sure that they know everything that they need to know. They are not going to go to hell because of a lack of knowledge. They are not going to go to hell because God did not reach for them if somebody is going to go to hell they're going to have to step over the truth they're going to have to suppress the truth they're going to have to choose tradition over truth they're going to have to choose what grandma said over truth they're going to have to choose what we've always done and how we've always thought over truth that's how people wind up lost i know i, I mean like i came in here with like a uh just a heavy load of lead and I know I'm laying it on you, but like th this is why a lot of people are rejecting Christianity. is because there's this false idea that, that we can, number one, judge someone as good or sincere. And number two, that, that, we, that somehow God would reject people whose hearts are open and willing to assimilate their lives to the truth of God. That's not the God that I know. That's not the God that we serve. That is not... A picture of the Christian God. The picture of the Christian God is the God who said, I opened my arms all the day long to a people who would reject me. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He sent preachers and prophets. And even in this day and age, he, he just keeps reaching when people reject. That's, that's the God that we serve. Amen? 
And so the, the question of salvation really is not sincerity. The question of salvation is sinfulness. Have you had your sins forgiven through the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you had your sinfulness dealt with through the gospel of Jesus Christ? And, and listen, I, I want to just, just throw this in here, just a point for you to think about. That believing that, that there is no hell or that no one goes to hell is actually more exclusive than the Christian belief. In other words, it excludes more people. And I want you to hear me out. Because here's what they will say. Is they will say good, sincere people must go to heaven, right? He, he is a good old boy. Listen. I know he sins a little. I know he's not perfect, but he is a good old guy. He does, I mean, he, he goes down and he feeds the homeless every Saturday. He mows his elderly neighbor's yard. Uh, he gives out money to every homeless person he sees. He is a good guy. How could God send somebody so good to hell? We've all heard this and, and, and this reasoning. But, but listen to this. What they'll say is that good, sincere people must go to heaven. And if there is a hell, only bad people will go there. Hitler. Everybody says Hitler went there, yeah. We all agree, Hitler, yeah, he's the kind of guy that if there is a hell, he's the kind of guy. But listen, so good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. That's the message of the world, right? That's the belief of, of people who are, are, are postmodern in their thinking. But there is no hope for people who struggle with their own will, who, who cannot follow their own moral code. Who their eternity is decided for them because they can't find it within themselves to be as good as old Joe over there who does all those good things. And so there is no hope for that person because they're not good enough. They're bad. They're a bad father. They're a bad mother. They left a child behind. They abandoned someone in their past. They cheated on their spouse. And so they're bad. Bad people must go to hell. Let me tell you something. Here's what the gospel says. That's what they say. The gospel says the people who know they are not good can find God. And the people who think that they are good cannot. The people who clothe themselves in self-righteousness and in traditions and, and all these things, they are the people who can't find God. Thank you, Brother Randy. I know that's good. That is good because the world's view of this issue about sincerity is actually more intolerant than God's view. God's view says that whoever you are, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter how broken you've been, it doesn't matter how long you were addicted, how long you were living on the streets, it doesn't matter any of that. It doesn't matter if you're the Apostle Paul and you're actively working against Christianity. What God does is He clears the table and He says no matter who you are or no matter where you're from, you can find salvation in me. You can find hope in me. You don't have to be good enough because you really never can Jesus said there is none good but God and so the gospel is no I'm not good but there is one who is good and my hope is not in this old boy but my hope is in him my eternity rests on what he did not on what I can do that's the gospel that's good stuff because I don't, all the pressure is off of me. The perfect man already lived and his name was Jesus. And he loved me enough to lay his life down for me. 
So listen, both, both approaches are exclusive. But the gospel is more inclusive than the way the world thinks because it says joyfully. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've been living at the gates of hell. You can be welcomed and embraced fully and instantly through Jesus Christ. And so there's this idea that, that sincerity might be enough. Sincerity might be enough, but I, I want to debunk that tonight. And, and I didn't want to just come and tell you, no, sincerity is not enough. I wanted to give you something to talk about with people. I wanted to give you some conversations to have with your kids, your teenagers, your grown kids. And that's why it's a little different, a little slower tonight. Because the, these are things that we need to, to grab a hold of. Now, there are three basic premises that anybody should be able to agree on. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rush through these because I only have about ten more minutes. But... But at the core of this discussion really is the question, are all world religions basically the same and mostly true? Now, um, the first point that I want to make that anybody should be able to agree on is that just because you're sincere does not mean what you believe is true. Can I get an amen to that? That's, that's the church way of saying you're right, preacher. <laughs> just because you're sincere about something doesn't mean that you're right about it, amen? It goes against what a lot of people think today. Because a lot of people say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, you're okay with me, you're doing, you're living you, you're, you're doing you. Um, but I think that if we look logically at this, we can agree that just because you're sincere does not make what you believe true. Harold Camping um, first predicted that Judgment Day would occur on or about September 6, 1994. He was a famous radio preacher from Family Radio. And so when it failed to occur on September 6, 1994... What he did is he revised the date. He went back and, uh, you know, punched a few buttons wrong on the calculator. Um, didn't get the right answer. Like the teacher with our, our, our math students sent him home, do the problem again. And uh, he comes up with another date, September 29th. Didn't happen then. He said, well, you know, Jewish calendar and, you know, the azimuth on my satellite dish. And I, I don't know. He came up with October 2nd. Didn't happen then. Then in 2005, he predicted the second coming of Christ to be May 21st, 2011, whereupon the saved would be taken up to heaven in the rapture, and there would follow five months of fire brimstone plagues on the earth, with millions of people dying each day, all culminating on October 21st, 2011. Now, spoiler alert, that day came and passed too, and all those things didn't happen, right? Harold Camping was sincere because after the, the day came and passed, he, he admitted in March of 2012, really just a few months before he died, that, that he was wrong and that he had been sinful and he now believed that no man could know the day or the hour. And, and here's my point. As Harold Camping was, was telling people who listened to him, store up food, he was storing up food. It, it wasn't a ploy to get attention. He really believed it. But he was really wrong. And he really destroyed his ministry and his, his radio uh, program. The family radio uh, went down at, in 2012. It, it may have come back uh, to life a little bit later, but he nearly destroyed everything because he was sincerely wrong. A lot of people are sincere but wrong about a lot of things. I don't say that to be mean, but watch American Idol. Some people think they can sing. They can't sing. Mama said I could sing. Your mama lied. She loves you. Or maybe she's deaf. I don't know. You can be sincerely wrong. Really think that you can do it. Some people think Taco Bell is Mexican food. <laughs> Sincere. They're wrong. 
Some people like Popeyes better than Chick-fil-A. Listen, if you're here tonight, you're sincere, but you're wrong. <laughs> the point that we all can agree on is that you can be sincerely wrong. You can be sincerely mistaken. And, and so I, I think everybody can agree with that, that, that it's possible to be sincere but to be misinformed or misled. And, and second, that there is truth in many world religions. Now, I know that sounds controversial, but there is truth in many world religions. But all world religions can't be true. Now, let's unpack that. I know it sounds controversial, but we know that there are spirits behind false teaching and doctrines. But, but even if that is true, it does not mean that there are not similarities between the world's major religions. If we just look objectively at major world religions, we'd have to agree some things are the same. There can be truth in many different world religions, but they all cannot be true. Because here's some examples. like Most world religions teach that life is sacred, that you... You cannot murder people. That life has value. There, there's, they, most of them teach that there is something beyond this life. That there is heaven or, or maybe their religion believes and ancestors. Uh, uh, they go to a happy farm in the sky and you one day will go join your ancestors. They, they have ancestor worship. They believe something beyond. Some believe that what is beyond is reincarnation. They're going to come back as a tree, or they're going to come back as a, a plant, or they're going to come back as a, as a Popeye's sandwich and be the lesser of two chicken sandwiches. But they all believe in something beyond, right? Um, and, and all of them are pretty consistent on morality, that, that you should treat your neighbor kindly, that you shouldn't commit adultery. These are things that all the world religions pretty much agree on. There are things that can be true and even beautiful in other religions. But if we look closer at their foundations, they often also have competing contradictory beliefs so they cannot all be true. Like, for example, Buddhists don't believe in a God. They don't believe in any time, uh, type of final or eternal existence. So when you contrast that with Hindus, the Hindus do believe in a God. But they believe that you can't approach God. He's an impersonal God. And so you worship these lesser deities who basically give a good report to the untouchable God. And that you can, um, you can find eternity that way. And, and then there's the Muslim belief that Allah, the Muslim God, is personal, has no secondary deities, and has a total ban on all, all idols. And, and if you take Buddhism and Hinduism, they would say we can't promise Forgiveness of sins, there's no supernatural help. All you go on is karma. And meanwhile, Christianity says that there is forgiveness of sins through Christ. There is potential of supernatural help and that God is a very personal God. So my point in throwing all of that at you is that they disagree so they can't all be right. It's the logic of the law of non-contradiction that states two contradictory ideas cannot be both true in the same sense at the same time. So if Christians believe there is one God and Hindus believe that there are thousands of them, we can't both be right. Somebody's wrong. And so I think we can all agree that while some truths can be found in all the world religions, not all of the world religions can be true. And, and here's the third thing, is that discovering and living truth matters more than anything else in life. It matters more than anything because, listen, if, if eternity is real and God is real, there is, no, 
more important question than that question of how do we respond to that truth. It's the question that I asked you in the beginning, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What had happened was the Philippian jailer realized that Paul's God had shaken the foundations of the prison and they were released and he was going to kill himself. And Paul leapt in and he says, no, 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 that, that isn't what happened. And he led them out and, and, and the man fell down. He realized that there was a God who loved Paul enough that he would shake prison bars and let Paul out. And it was proof enough for him to say, okay, there's a God. What do I do about it? Acts chapter 2. When Peter preached, they saw them speaking in tongues. They, they realized there's a God. What do we do about it? Living and discovering and living truth matters more than anything else. Imagine this. Imagine, we're going on a flight on Friday out to Arizona. Imagine I, I walk onto the plane and a pilot who is postmodern um, greets me and says, Hello, my, my name's Bob, the postmodern pilot. And uh, I'm feeling like today all buttons are equal. And north and south really... If you go far enough, they, they go to the same place. They meet back again, right? The great mysteries of navigation. And he says, you know what? They're, all the buttons are the same. All the directions are the same. So today, I'm going to push all the wrong buttons or different buttons, just buttons that I haven't ever pushed before. I don't know what that one does, but I'm going to push it anyways. And I'm going to go the opposite. How many of you would jump on that plane? No. Because knowing the truth matters. Knowing what's right matters. You can't arrive. If your pilot believes that north and south are the same, how are you to ever arrive at an intended destination? If it's all the same, if, if nothing is different. And so, so uh, imagine you go in and, and you need a heart transplant and your doctor is postmodern and is thinking, and he says, you know what? I'm so tired of replacing hearts. It's all I do, day in and day out, cardiac surgery. It's so boring. I like livers too. So instead of giving you a new heart today, I'm going to give you a new liver. All organs are basically the same. Surgery is, has a lot of components that are alike. Most surgeries help people. Most surgeries are good for people. I'm going to give you a new liver. Don't worry about the heart. It's all the same. Nobody's signing up for that surgery. Y'all calling the police. <laughs> the medical board, your mama, and your third cousin too, because you're going to tell everybody, don't go to that doctor. <laughs> He'll give you a liver instead of a heart. Right? Because knowing what is true matters. It's, it's all that matters. We're talking about our life and, and, and our existence here in that instance. But, but when we start talking about eternity, how much more immensely important is that? To know what is true. To know what is right. Knowing truth matters because you're going to die. And something's going to happen to you. And if you go with feelings, it can be detrimental. I just kind of feel like God doesn't care about that stuff that the church says. Just, I just kind of feel like there's some, of the, oh, some of the scripture seems really out of touch with where people are today. So, Paul, I wish you hadn't said all those things. We're just going to act like he didn't say them. Just gonna act like idolatry and fornication are not in there. We're just gonna do our thing. I really don't feel like God. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And this just kind of seems right. We love each other. It's what people do, right? And so, if eternity is real and you're wrong, there is nothing that would be 
more important than to get this right. And so everyone should be able to agree that, that it is possible to be sincere and wrong, that all world religions have truth, but not all of them can be true, and that knowing truth means more than anything else in life. So what that means for you is that you've got to take another look at Jesus. You've got to take a look at the Bible. There are good, many good reasons that I don't have time to explain all of them tonight of why you should believe and trust in Jesus. Listen, is sincerity enough? Simply by looking through the lens of logic, we can see that the answer is no. And when we look through the lens of Scripture, we'll find the same answer. Paul said this, he said, if our gospel be hid, let's stand up. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. What we must recognize is that when people reject truth, it's because they have been blinded by ideas and systems set up by the God of this world. In fact, I heard a great preacher one time say that, that what we don't do enough of is pray for blindness to be removed from people's eyes and from people's spirits. The greatest need of our nation and country in this hour is a revival of people whose hearts are open, honest, and willing to be led by God. That goes for preachers in the pulpit. That goes for saints in the pew. That goes for each and every one of us because what we're missing is everybody is saying, I know what is right. I have what is right. But the thing that set the early believers apart, now listen, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't get a Bible study. Paul didn't sit down and say, turn to Colossians because there was no Colossians. He didn't do that. The Bible says, here's how early believers, they didn't find it through intellectual research. Here's how it happened. They heard a preacher. And their searching hearts were able to respond to God's reaching. How you respond to preaching matters. How you respond to the word of God matters. Faith comes by hearing, right? You say, why are people not saved? It's because of how you respond to preaching. Plain and simple. How you respond. What does your heart do when God convicts and confronts? What does your heart say when God convicts and confronts? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And how shall they hear except there be a preacher. And how can they preach except they be sent? In Acts 17, Paul told those at the Oropagus on Mars Hill, he climbed it and he began to declare to them the unknown God. And he said this, he said that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they, listen to this, that they should seek God. Number one, you've got to seek God. And here's the next step. And he said, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from us. I close with this thought, and I know I've gone a couple minutes over, but I close with this thought as Paul paints a picture of an eternal God who is standing very close, and he's saying that if, if people will seek God and they will just feel after him, that might include reading some books, it, it might include Bible studies, it might include a lot of things, but I really believe that your eternity be, will, will be decided on whether or not your heart is conditioned to receive truth when it comes to you. Winston Churchill said this, occasionally men stumble across truth and then they rush off as if nothing ever happened. Let that not be said of you and of me and of our families. I want our ushers to prepare to come. While they come, I want to pray. Lord. God, I feel a solemnness, a seriousness that is in this house. God, our eternities matter. 
People that are lost, they matter to you, God. And, and if the trumpet does not give a clear sound, Lord, your word said, how, how can people assemble to the battle? And Lord, what we want in this hour is we want to know your truth, God. We want our hearts to be open. We want our minds to be ready to receive all that you're wanting to do in our life. God, if, if there is sin in our life, God, we pray tonight. We pray that you would convict and reveal it. God, if there's things that, that are left undone in our soul, in, in our life, that you have spoken, Lord, we pray a prayer of repentance. And we say, Lord, let our hearts be tender to the whisper of the voice of God. God, we want to make our eternity sure. And sincerity is not going to get us there, God. We have to have a heart that seeks after and responds to truth. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for coming to Truth Over Trends Week 3. Um, I want you, before we leave, uh, we're going to receive tithe and offering. You can bring it by the front if you want to walk up here and give it before you go. We welcome that. But one more time, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise and thanksgiving tonight? Amen. God bless you, and we will see you Sunday. Amen. Come forward.